Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, I wanted to visit the issue of sexual purity, the teaching or the doctrine of sexual purity. Some of you all may be wondering, why did I choose this particular topic to talk about today? But I think it's evident when we look all around our society, when we look in our homes, when we look at our community, and even inside the church, there's an issue uh, that is prevalent among all of us and it's the rise of how we conduct ourselves not just mentally but physically as it pertains to our sexuality or things that deal with sex and sex is uh, it's not a dirty word it shouldn't be a dirty word uh, sex was given to us by God but it needs to be appropriated within the right context the Bible is replete with many scriptures that talks about how we ought to conduct ourselves as it relates uh, to relationships, as it relates to uh, sex, as it relates to uh, being pure in the presence of God. The Bible tells us, For this reason the man will leave his father as an example and mother and be united with his wife, as I paraphrase Ephesians 5.31. Bible tells us that it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should not, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. First Thessalonians 4, 3 and 5. Bible also reminds us to flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. First Corinthians 6, 18. So for today's episode, I am honored to have as our guest, uh, Brother Joe Dallas uh, of Genesis Biblical Solutions. And Brother Dallas, we welcome you to Sound Reasoning. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Amen. Uh, I want to thank you uh, for the work that your group does and uh, the work that you all do to try to help us as believers in overcoming the various vices that keep us away from pleasing our God. Um, and the first question I have for you is, uh, tell us a little bit more about the ministry, your ministry and the services that you all offer. Oh, well, thank you for that uh, question. Percy. I, I love to talk about my work. Unfortunately, sexual sin does not discriminate between believers and non-believers. Believers can be tempted just as surely as non-believers can. And as a result, a number of Christians have allowed themselves to cross the line and get caught up in the use of pornography or an adulterous relationship or homosexuality or sex before marriage. And they come to us when they realize that they've stepped outside of God's will And they want two things from us. First, they want the tools to get themselves uh, untangled from what they have come into bondage to. 
And secondly, they want to address the damage that that sin has done in their lives. So we offer biblically-based counseling to people who are dealing with these problems in their own lives. And I also do uh, a fair amount of, of, uh, of speaking in churches and doing seminars on purity and also on how to respond to uh, the current legitimization of homosexuality and mm-hmm. transgenderism. Uh, so I do an apologetics seminar on how to speak the Christian position on homosexuality, and then I do a seminar on purity as well. Again, thank you for sharing with us. And if someone is listening right now, uh, what can they do if they are dealing with these issues to try to get some help? Well, if they'd like to contact me directly, I do both counseling in person and by phone and Skype. So they can either email me directly at joedallas.com or they can call our office at 714-508-1653. Thank you. One of the things that I think is important for us to address is oftentimes uh, we will say that's not good or uh, that's bad. But in order for us to know what bad is, we really ought to know what the good is. So please explain to us, as we use this term sexual purity, what is sexual uh, purity? You know, that's so important, isn't it? Because so often, I think, when we talk about sex, it's, it's as if we're talking about something which is fundamentally evil. Right. And it's not. Right. I mean, Percy, you and I didn't think up the idea of sex. Right. No man thought it up. God is the creator of sex. That's right. And I think that's an important starting point in the book of Genesis, why we see God create first man, and the first critical thing God ever says is, this is not good for him to be alone. So right off the bat, he says, I'm going to make woman as a complementary partner to him, and he makes them naked, he makes them sexual, he tells them to know each other and to reproduce. Now, this was God's idea, so clearly God is not anti-sex, far from it. I think God likes sex a lot more than we do. (laughs) Praise God. Yeah, I I think he created it, and I think one of the reasons he is so outraged at sexual sin is because that either falls so short of what he wanted for us, or it's such a perversion of what he created for us. When we sexually sin, I think it's like if if, if you fixed this incredible dinner for your family and loved ones, and, and it was, you know, it, it, it was a great barbecue and wonderful salads and great sauces and vegetables and a wonderfully prepared banquet. Mm. And they come sit at the table and they start eating their napkins. <laughs> You'd go, are you people nuts? I have created a feast. And you are completely perverting what I intended. Right. Right. So it wouldn't be that you're just saying, I'm mad at you because you did something wrong. You'd also be heartbroken that they are not partaking of the wonderful thing you prepared for them, 
and they're settling for something which is never going to satisfy them. Right, right. And, and I think that's how God views sexual sin. Mm, appreciate that analogy. So what are the benefits of remaining spiritually and sexually pure or authentic before God? You know, a good way to to compare this, since we're talking about analogies, I think, is is if we keep on talking about food. Everybody relates to food. Right. Um, it is true. Uh, I'll speak for myself, and then you can decide whether or not it applies to you as well, Percy. But <laughs> I think for most of us, there are plenty of times we would like to eat things that are not so good for us. Right. Um, I, you know, so to me, either a big greasy hamburger or a hostess Twinkie or a bunch of chocolate cake, you right. know, or even a beef jerky from the Seven Eleven. God forbid. Right. I mean, that stuff is full of chemicals and starches and just all sorts of stuff that we don't need. But I'll, I'll admit that we crave it. But if we will say no to that and yes to what is good, if we will eat reasonably mm-hmm. and eat a balanced diet, sometimes that'll mean saying no to things we crave, but hey, our energy will be up, we will be calmer, we will be stronger, we will sleep better. There are so many benefits, and that is exactly true of sexual purity and sexual impurity. If you give in to the desire to use pornography right. or to sleep with your girlfriend before marriage, right. or to give in to adulterous desires. You will have the pleasure of somebody who just had a bunch of junk food, but later on, mm. you'll feel guilt, you'll feel fear of being caught, you'll feel empty, you'll feel sluggish. Whereas if you will retain your sexual energy for the one person you are in covenant with as your wife or your husband, whether you're a man or a woman, why you will find that the benefits are emotional safety, peace of mind, the clarity of knowing you're covenanted with one person and you retain your energy for that one person. And by investing in that one person, you you reap the trust and the goodwill and and the mutual growing knowledge between you and that person. So the benefits, interestingly enough, uh, even in the natural, and that's not even to mention the spiritual benefits of being within God's will, even if we look at our psychological selves and our physical selves, the avoidance of the diseases and the ravages we get when we step outside God's will, it only makes sense to figure that the person who created sexuality knows how it works best, and if we follow his principles, then we find we get the maximum benefit of our sexual selves. Mm. Thank you so much. So because this issue is so important, then why is it difficult for we as believers, some of us, or a lot of us actually, to talk about um, sex and sexual integrity? There's the $65,000 question. Uh, I will first fully agree with you. For some crazy reason, we have been reluctant to speak about this, and you know what has happened in the meanwhile? The whole darn world's been talking about it. Right. The only ones who seem reluctant to talk about sex 
are the Christians. Right. I mean, Hollywood is all too happy to indoctrinate us and our children. That's the right. The government, the school system, the music industry. Right. Uh, good heavens, everybody's talking about it except for us. Now, I think there are two problems going on here. One, I think we have been willing to talk about the fact that we know what we should not do. Right. But we haven't really wanted to talk about how not to do it. It, it, it almost seems to me like we've preached about sex with the assumption that since we all know it's wrong to commit sexual sin, we will never be tempted to do it. Mm. Well, good heavens, we don't treat any other sins that way. That's right. We talk about the sin of pride, and we talk about the fact that Christians can be tempted to that sin. Right. The same goes for the sin of gossip, the sin of violence, the sin of hatred, the sin of laziness. But when it comes to sex, it's almost like we've acted as if we are immune to sexual temptation. And since we're not talking about it, what happens when the average Christian falls into sexual sin? Since nobody talks about it, he feels like, oh my gosh, I'll bet I'm the only person in this church who has ever looked at pornography. Mm. I better keep my mouth shut or else they'll all ostracize me. And so we've got this conspiracy of silence. Mm. And I think that has made us reluctant to talk about it. And I think sometimes we've just been embarrassed. And in a way, I kind of get that. I, I do think that we should be modest. I think that there are some things we should not talk about in mixed company. Sure. And I think that we, we should observe a certain you know decorum when we talk about sex. Right. But we darn well better talk about it because the world is making a case to us and to our children for sexual sin. More than ever in 2016, the Church needs to be able to offer a biblical defense, and apologia, uh, for what the world is teaching. And that means we need to be informed as to what Scripture says, not just about sexual sin, but on how to deal with temptation, how to overcome, how to make amends when we've done damage. So we need to be informed, and we need to be equipped. We need to develop better tools within the Church for dealing with this environment we're in, because as you know, and I think our listeners will agree, you and I as Christians are living in an environment which is openly hostile to the principles we believe in and try to live according to. It's a war zone out there. Right. And if you live in a war zone, you better know how to fight. You're absolutely right. I, I appreciate those anecdotes. Um, and sexual purity, as you talk about and highlight, it, it is so very important. Now, we're at a point, and you kind of alluded to this fact, where uh, the media's representation and, and Hollywood's representation it, is so skewed that many Christians are now buying into their propaganda and it's leaked into our churches. And so how do we go about as believers recognizing if we have a problem? Yes. Um, you know, I, I think one of the most important questions in the Bible is just one simple question Paul asks the Romans, what saith the Scripture? Right. I really think we need to get back to a universe, within the Church, a universal belief that God gave us the Bible as an authoritative resource to judge everything by. 
Amen. And I think we've really slacked off on that, and we've left a void. When, when there's less Bible teaching in the church, you know what's going to happen. The ultimate questions are not going to be answered. If you don't teach the Bible regularly in church, then people are left with unanswered questions. Where are they going to go with their unanswered questions? Well, if they're not getting them answered in the church, they'll go to the talk shows, they'll go to the movies, they'll go to the recording artists, they'll go to their friends. They'll basically do just what David said we shouldn't do in Psalm 1. They will seek counsel of the ungodly. Right. So should we be surprised when people within the church come to ungodly conclusions because they had questions about things we wouldn't answer, so they went from us to the council of the world and came up with worldly wisdom. So I think we have to start with the idea that this is not about a sexual problem. This is a doctrinal problem. I don't think we've been laboring, like Paul told Timothy to, to study to show ourselves approved to God workmen who do not need to be ashamed. And I think we get back to that to determine what what is right or wrong, and also to determine what to do about it. I think we must start with two basic premises. One, God has a specific plan for human sexuality, and number two, much within us is going to naturally rebel against that plan because we are a fallen race. Therefore, we need to be equipped with the right tools to manage our sexuality properly. And like you said, uh, it's, it's very important that we recognize and and agree with God that perhaps what we are doing is inconsistent with his will. So I appreciate uh, that insight. So we have a few minutes left, but if you could, uh, I want you to kind of define these terms for us because a lot of us uh, hear these words uh, at church, but I don't think we really connected to uh, scripture telling us about these, these words. This is God. Uh, instructing us on how we ought to conduct ourselves. So, for example, please de- define for our audience uh, fornication. What, is that, what does that mean? Oh, great, yes. Let me first say that a key word to me when we talk about all of this is covenant. God is a God of covenant with his people. We are covenanting within marriage for the proper use of sexuality. So the concept of covenant is important to me. Fornication, to my thinking, then is privilege without covenant. Hmm. We are taking the privilege of a sexual relationship without the covenant of marriage, which we have no right to do. Hmm. When you engage in sex without covenant, you leave yourself subject to emotional vulnerability, because there, when, when we do have sex, whether we want to admit it or not, we bond. Right. Right. We're not meant to bond and then rip the bond apart and go bond with somebody else and rip that bond apart and go bond with somebody else. That's privilege without covenant. And truth to tell, one of the reasons a lot of people today, by the time they reach their 40s or 50s, are so messed up is because they bonded, ripped it apart, bonded mm. again, ripped it apart, and they're left cynical, bitter, disappointed, hurt. So uh, that's why I say it's privilege without covenant, uh, which, again, is a dangerous sin to commit. And it's backed up by Scripture. It is. Uh, I mean, all through Scripture, you see fornication condemned. And fornication is a broad word, really, for, for any form of sexual contact apart from marriage. But its root has to do with basically 
prostituting yourself mm. by engaging in behaviors that are reserved for a covenant relationship. And uh, when you take them outside of covenant, why then you're taking privileges you're not entitled to. And uh, we have a couple of minutes left. So we've talked about relationships outside the covenant. Now, what does the Bible tell us about relationships inside the covenant with the word adultery? Well, whereas fornication is privilege without covenant, adultery is violation of covenant. Mm. When you marry, you pledge your body, soul, and spirit to one person. When you step outside of that covenant, then you are investing your energy and even your love where you have no right to invest it. That's why it's called cheating. You're embezzling Mm. from your spouse what Mm. belongs only to your spouse. And you notice one important thing. Man is made in God's image. We're to represent God properly. God never breaks covenant with his people. Amen. You commit adultery. You have hugely misrepresented God. And let's not take that lightly. Some people in Scripture lost their lives because they misrepresented God. So he doesn't like that. Brother Dallas, thank you so much for your insights. And we've, we've run out of time, but this topic is so important that I would love to have you back on at another time when it's good for you. Uh, to I'd sure love that. It's a privilege talking with you, Percy. I really appreciate the opportunity. Not a problem. I'll be in touch, and uh, thank you again for your insight. So for Thanks. Tho- God bless. God bless you. And for those of you uh, who need to reach Brother Dallas, that is his ministry, you can reach him at www.joedallas.com. And again, uh, his ministry uh, deals with uh, helping those that are going through sexual adversity or sexual issues. And the Bible teaches us that we ought to conduct, conduct ourselves, our mind and our physical being in a certain way that brings honor to God. And as Brother Dallas stated, we have a covenant with God. And when we make a covenant, we shouldn't break it. Uh, scripture tells us uh, in the Old Testament that my eyes have made a covenant with the Lord, not to sin or lust after a maiden. So God wants us to perform in a specific way. And I realize some of us claim that we can't help it or uh, we made a mistake and we make mistakes, but we should always thirst for righteousness. And when we fall, we should not be comfortable in the sin that we've committed. We should repent and go back to God and do our best not to fall again. I pray that you all receive something from today's episode. Please continue to support us. Um, we need your donations to stay on air, and I believe that God has us to bless you all. May he continue to bless everyone that's listening, and if you would like to support us, please visit us on www.srministries.org, www.srministries.org. You can also visit our Thanks website. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. 
Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. This, this is my skyship, Dreamer. My cargo is stories. And our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.